At long last, in his sixth attempt at doing it, Mike Zimmer, as head coach of the Vikings, has finally beat the Seahawks. 30-17, to the final score in this one. Vikings notch their first win on the season. We're going to break down everything. Kirk Cousins' great day, the defensive turnaround, and everything else going on here on the Locked On Vikings podcast, free on all platforms. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL, and the show is on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. Hope you guys are making the Locked On Vikings podcast your first listen of the day, especially after a win like this one. It's Victory Monday, and it always feels a little sweeter on Victory Monday. Vikings take down the Seahawks 30 to 17, the final score in this one. They finally beaten the Seahawks. I think the Seahawks were rattling off like seven in a row going into this one. This would have been their eighth, but no, the Vikings figured them out and dominated them throughout most of the game. The game script went, we'll kind of start talking about how the game started off, which was very, very poorly. The Vikings kind of staggered out to a 17 to seven deficit. And then after a uh, Chris Carson breakaway touchdown that came after Stephen Weatherly and Blake Lynch got washed out of a play. There was this huge hole to run through. Chris Carson scores, making it 17 to seven. It felt like the game was getting away from them. And you start thinking, okay, if this is like a blowout, how much danger are we in of having an interim head coach next week? You really started, you're thinking about that. And the seat is very, very hot right now. But obviously things didn't turn out that way. Things kind of got a little bit better at the end. So, to figure out kind of what went right, how the Vikings turned things around, first we have to examine what was going wrong. And in the beginning of the game, a lot was going wrong. The corners were getting dusted by DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, mostly Metcalf. He got a great uh, catch against Patrick Peterson, totally dusted him in man coverage. Bashad Breland was playing too far off and was playing this really soft, scared coverage. Xavier Woods was making the same mistake and stuff. Um, and the Vikings offense kept up, you know, the, the opening drive was this like remarkably easy touchdown drive for, for Seattle. And then the Vikings just as easily drove back down and it was seven, seven. And then the Seattle Seahawks kept driving and the Vikings started stalling a little bit. Um, and part of the Seahawks being able to drive so well was, uh, that they managed to catch the Vikings out of sync and, and in the wrong personnel. Um, and with a game like this where there's not many drives, and this is a, Zimmer loves these games, these games where each team gets like seven drives, um, where you, in a normal game you get like 10, 11 possessions, and Zimmer loves games where everybody gets eight, and there's a little bit higher stakes on all that stuff, but it, it causes these wonky things. There were There was one drive where the Seattle Seahawks on a third down, I think, got Armin Watts, uh, Sheldon Richardson and Everson Griffin on the field. I think it was Richardson and Griffin were on the inside with the regular edge rushers and they immediately switched to no huddle and ran like the rest of the drive with those guys in the middle. And they just ran down their throat. Sheldon Richardson, not a run defense guy. And Everson Griffin uh, as a run defending defensive tackle, he's not exactly a point of attack dude. He was, you know, kind of a stand up edge rusher on a third down kind of thing. And the, the Seahawks took advantage and they caught them and they ran like four plays that way and drove it right down to point blank range. Um, so they kind of got it and they ran it down our throats that way. And then they caught 
um, Pashad Breland one-on-one a whole bunch of times. And I don't think Breland wanted that. So the two kind of adjustments that turn things around, at least to my naked eye on a live watch, are that, A, they did a better job of keeping Bashad Breland from being one-on-one. You know, when you have a cornerback who isn't doing well, and in the beginning of this game, Bashad Breland was doing horrifically bad. There are a number of kind of paces you run through before you pull that guy. Um, And we didn't get through all those paces before they found a solution that works, right? First, you kind of, if let's say that they are covered, like playing straight up man-to-man coverage, which is the hardest thing you can ask a corner to do is to just cover a guy, whatever route he runs, you just cover him, um, you know, with no help. So you start giving him a little help. You let him pass off things that are inside, or you give him a safety help over the top, and he can pass off things that are to the top. You're still in man coverage, but if he runs this route or that route, you pass it off. Um, and then if that doesn't work, then you start playing more traditional zone where you say, just watch the quarterback's eyes stay in this area. And if the ball comes out, you go make a play on it. And then if that continues to not work, then you start talking about benching the guy. Um, so I think the Vikings just kind of started going down that path with Bashad Breland, um, which is unfortunate, right? You kind of hope your starting corner can handle a little bit more than that, but whatever, right? They figured out a way to get the coverage a little bit better, and then the pass rush started getting home, and the pass rush was pretty good. They had the Seahawks under a ton of pressure. Sheldon Richardson better on the pass rush, a lot better than he was against the run. Everson Griffin made his presence known. Daniel Hunter made his presence known, and the blitzes got home pretty well as well. And and then things just kind of started clicking from there. That's the defensive side of things. Offensively, it was a lot simpler. They were just good. They just scored on most of their possessions, three touchdowns, three field goals, just a solid game, <laughs> not a lot of punting going on, uh, except for one punt at the very end of the game that kind of iced it away. That was a phenomenal punt from midfield uh, from, from Jordan Berry on a fourth and 12 that kicks out of bounds at about the two and just backs up but just insult to injury game was well out of hand but it was like some style points to win the game with um so i'll tell you i, I want to talk a lot more about the offense i want especially i want to talk about kirk cousins who had one of the games of his life in this one uh but first so if you do a lot of driving i, I gotta tell you about get upside it is an app that gets you cash back when you buy gas. So if you make an account on GetUpside right now, you get 25 cents a gallon back every time you fill up. And over time, all of that starts to like add up. You can make like two, 300 bucks a month in cash back with GetUpside. Makes it not only easy to save, but it gives you a bunch of cash out options. If you just want to do your bank account, that's fine. There's PayPal, Amazon gift cards, and everything more available at a time. Gas prices are going up and that can get really annoying. So if you want to shave a little bit off, get some uh, money back at the pump. Get get upside. And right now, you can open an account and use our special promo code, which is called Touchdown. You get a bonus twenty five cents back per gallon. So why don't we just double it up? Get fifty cents a gallon back. So don't pay full price at the pump anymore. If it says three fifty up there on the pump, now you're just paying three bucks because you went and got get upside. And use a special promo code TOUCHDOWN when you signed up for your account. So you can start saving every time your car or truck needs a fill-up. That's GetUpside, available in the iTunes App Store and on Google Play. And the promo code, one more time, is TOUCHDOWN. Let me also talk to you about Grambling with the pro and college football seasons well underway. There's only one place you should go to place your wagers. That is betonline.ag. BetOnline is your one-stop shop for all things odds, news, news, and props. You have all sorts of game props and stuff like that. Uh, first half, second half, uh, lines and odds and all of that. You can also bet on other sports. The WNBA playoffs is going on right now. You can even play your favorite Vegas casino games 
just log on, play a little bit of blackjack. Who's going to stop you? Head on over to betonline.ag. If you haven't signed up yet, that's okay. You can do that for free. And then when you make your first deposit, you can get some free play money as well by entering promo code NFL100, NFL100. They will just double your first deposit, 100% match. You put in 500 bucks, they put in 500 bucks of free play money on top of it. You got 1,000 to gamble with. So head on over to betonline.ag and do that. Your online sportsbook experts. Okay, so we know why the defense kind of turned it around in the second half, but we should probably mention that game script favored the defense a ton. In the second half, they only had three earnest stops they needed to make. I'm not counting the last weird thing uh, where they had the ball with like 20 seconds left, but there were only really three drives, and even one of those drives was affected heavily by game script, and they were in hurry-up offense, and they were, you know, four minutes down two scores doing desperation stuff and going for a fourth down they otherwise would never have gone for. So really, they didn't have to do a lot, and part of that is... Because, you know, the defense had stopped them the other times. They kind of earned that right. But the other part of it, the huge part of it, is just the clock control the Vikings offense had. The offense just kind of chewed this one up and spit it out. And that's it. They got ahead by the end of the half after that 17-7 to deficit. They went down and they scored. And then that made it 17-14. And then went down and they scored again. That made it 21-17. Um, the Seahawks got the ball with like 20 seconds left in the half. Vikings got the ball back on the other end of it, and they went down and they scored again to make it 24 to 17, and they got two more field goals before the game was up. But otherwise, those were just long field goal drives that just took a bunch of time off the clock, and, and then they kicked. You might worry about the Vikings kind of learning the, long, the wrong lesson from that. There was kind of a moment where you felt, you know, when they kicked to go from up 10 to up 13, you kind of felt, okay, well, now it's guaranteed that the Seahawks get two field goals against or two touchdowns against us and we lose by one again. But obviously that didn't happen. That's the part where the defense did its job as small as that job was. But that's what's really nice when you have a lead. You go into halftime with a lead and you come out and say, okay, defense, can I get three stops out of you? And the effect of that kind of cascades, there is a phrase thrown around all the time complimentary football. Well, this is complimentary football, right? Where when one side of the ball is not winning, right? The defense was struggling. The other side of the ball can help them out. Success on offense leads to an easier time on defense. So the origin of that success on offense, I gotta say, I think it just comes from Kirk Cousins. I don't think this one is particularly complicated at all. I think Kirk Cousins just played his ass off. He was throwing well. He was accurate. He got, I think his final stat line was 323 yards, three touchdowns, uh, 30 for 38 on the day, no picks. That is a fantastic day, but I think it gets a lot deeper than that. I, I don't think you can quite sell it by just citing, citing the stat line, though it is an appropriately good stat line. What Kirk Cousins and Clint Kubiak did in this one is outsmart the Seahawks. And after the game, the Seahawks had all sorts of quotes to their media about how they got schemed, how they were frustrated about uh, the, you know, how the Viking, it, it seemed like the Vikings had figured out the Seahawks. The Seahawks knew that and there was nothing they could do about it. And, and that reflects very poorly on the Seahawks. So they got their own host of problems to deal with, but the way, but from the Vikings perspective, they figured it out. One example of this dynamic, and I think it spreads to a lot of other facets of the of the offense, but one example of this dynamic, the Seahawks blitzed Kirk Cousins a ton in this game. Pete Carroll even said after the game, like, we threw everything at him defensively. And Kirk Cousins found it 
every time. And sometimes he would find it with a hard count, and you know, you kind of get the blitzing guy to flinch because he's so ready to come at you. You know, blitzing linebackers and safeties always get really excited. Jamal Adams, especially, like he want he's ready to come hit you. And so you get a hard count, and you can get him to flinch, and you can get him to kind of give themselves away that way. And then you can adjust the protection, adjust the play to, to kind of adjust for that blitz. The thing about blitzes is they are a little bit of a, a spin of the roulette wheel. And the Vikings were on the wrong end of this in uh, a, a number of ways in the last two games, but sometimes the blitz gets home and it's a great sack and you're going, wow, what an awesome play by Eric Kendricks or whoever. And sometimes it gets picked up. And when the blitz gets picked up, let's say you, you rush five, you don't get anywhere. They get all five offensive linemen on a defender and they all win their blocks and stuff. And then suddenly you are in a six man coverage with no pressure. You're doomed. The coverage is just broken. That's it. You're gone. There's everybody can play well enough, but if you can't get some pressure from there, they're going to find the hole in that, especially if the quarterback saw it coming and they know where the hole is going to be pre-snap. And I think just overall and in general, Kirk Cousins did such a good job in this game pre-snap, figuring out where the Seahawks were going to be, and more importantly, where they weren't going to be, and also helping to direct the offensive line by just calling out the blitzer. Now, what actually happens to pick up that blitz is on Garrett Bradbury. And so I I think he gets whatever share of the credit that gives him as well, uh, where, you know, if, if you point out, hey, Jamal Adams is blitzing, Bradbury has to have communicated to the offensive line and just has to turn to the guy next to him and kind of say, hey, now you get that guy, you get that guy, and has to redirect all that traffic or have it at least pre-discussed so everybody knows where they're going um, to make sure that that blitz gets picked up. And then once that blitz gets picked up, it's Kirk Cousins with a clean pocket and, and a soft coverage in front of him. It's curtains. Um, and, and I think a big reason the Vikings offense works so well through the air was because cousins found it every time, whether that is a result of just a lot of preparation and, and good film study, whether that is just him just being particularly in the rhythm of the game here, this is optimal Kirk cousins. This is the Kirk cousins you pay 84 million or 45 million or whatever for this is the quarterback play that gets you there if if you took this game and you extrapolated it 17 times which is an irresponsible thing to do but if you did it anyways and you had 17 games like this that's an mvp that's not kirk cousins is not an mvp candidate not yet uh but this game was that phenomenal from kirk cousins and i i think for all the bluster we talk about, about how Kirk Cousins, is he a tractor or is he a trailer? You know, is he pulling the team to a victory or is he the one being pulled to a victory? This was one where he pulled the team to a victory. And a lot of other players had great performances. Justin Jefferson did a great job. Alexander Madison did a great job in uh, relief of Dalvin Cook, who didn't end up playing in this one. Um, the offensive line did a great job. Like other players played well. But I do think that Kirk Cousins elevated just about everybody around him in this one. In run, in pass, in protection, in routes, in coverages, in everything. I, and, and, and even the defense, because of the, the offense's ability to chew a bunch of clock out and make it so the defense didn't have to stop as many uh, throws, Kirk Cousins elevated the people around him. That is such a huge thing for a guy who's 
kind of entire reputation in Minnesota as is as a guy who is not capable of doing that. So where do we end up going from here? We got to still talk about that. But first, let me talk to you about how you watch TV, because it can get really confusing when you have different logins and different devices for all the different services and stuff. You got live things on the TV, something else on a tablet. You're watching highlights on your phone and, and a different login for all that crap. Well, let me just let you get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. DirecTV Stream is a new service from DirecTV that lets you consolidate everything live and on demand all at once. And the best part, no annual contract. So head on over to directtv.com to learn more. That is directtv.com. Let me also talk to you about the best tasting protein bar on the planet. It is Built Bar. Built Bar is covered in 100% chocolate. Comes in nine delicious flavors. Chocolate orange, chocolate raspberry, chocolate mint, whatever kind of chocolate combo. I'm a chocolate peanut butter kind of guy. But my recommendation to you is to get the sampler, which is all nine of their flavors, two of each, so you can figure out what you like. Whatever you buy at BuiltBar.com, uh, you can also just check in at their website every once in a while. They're, they'll have limited edition, like super special flavors. Um, but whatever you get there, enter promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. We can get you 15% off of that order. That is promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 at built or builtbar.com. So one thing defensively that the Vikings did in this game was adjust. And there were a couple of, of adjustments that I find really interesting that I want to look deeper into. But here's kind of how I see it right now. The Vikings had a lot of problems with their corners kind of getting cooked at the line of scrimmage, getting cooked at the at the uh, breaking point of the route. And so they had to protect those corners a little bit better. And I think they did a better job of getting Bashad Breeland, especially out of one on one situations where he could pass something off to the inside, play a little bit more straight zone, um, you know, be really smart about the pass offs and still definitely taking people man to man every once in a while if they're in his area. Uh, but not necessarily asking a guy to cover every single thing and, and kind of get smoked that way. And that's what's making Bashad Breland play a little bit scared. And when I say he was playing scared, he was playing too far off a lot of the time. There was a touchdown where he got caught playing, you know, 10 yards off on first and goal from the nine. And it's like, what are you doing? Like, you didn't contest anything. and He just gets beat to the pylon. And that's it. Part of that play also was that there was a little bit of motion that kind of dragged him further away from the position, which is how he has to respond to that. That's just good offensive design, but it's a pretty flimsy excuse. Essentially, what the Vikings did, I think, is just give him safety help. They just took Harrison Smith out of the box. They had to be a little bit smarter versus the run that way. Um, but game script kind of allowed them to do that. Uh, you know, when you're up two scores in the fourth quarter, you don't really have to worry about stacking the box for the run. So they could safely take Harrison Smith out of the box, help out their cornerbacks, keep things from getting explosive, keep things in front of you. And then from there, the pass rush was able to get home. But that is a costly thing to do because it, you, you can't just set up against Cleveland, who, by the way, has Odell Beckham. You can't just set up against Cleveland and Odell Beckham and, and Donovan Peoples-Jones seems to be he, he had a pretty good game against the Bears. Um, and, and like have, you know, just set up in two high looks and say good luck. Now, Cleveland's offense, we'll talk a lot more about it, you know, later in the week when we're actually previewing Cleveland. Um, but it's kind of funny how in the NFL, how it works this way, you know, Seattle kind of had to expose this part of the Vikings to the Vikings to force this adjustment. And if they continue with this adjustment, somebody else will be able to exploit it. 
and it's like one team will kind of sacrifice themselves so your next opponent can like pull one over on you. And that's kind of weirdly how it works in the NFL. I think a lot of the upsets in the NFL kind of come that way too, where somebody else, you know, you, you played a tough game against a division rival and they laid out a, a blueprint so that the, you know, two win team coming into town that looks like it's going to be, you know, easy peasy has more of your secrets than you thought they did. And that's sometimes just how it goes. So it's an interesting thing that that we'll have to talk about next week. Um, but for now, it was adjustments on the fly. The other thing that was really interesting about like the adjustments on the fly was Zimmer talking to Harrison Smith on the sideline. The broadcast showed this. If you were at the game, uh, jealous of you, it sounded like it was raucous. Vikings back in front of a crowd for the first time in, I think, 636 days back in front of their home crowd. Excellent stuff. Palpable energy. Um but on the broadcast, they talked uh, or they, they cut to a cool clip on the sideline of Mike Zimmer talking to Harrison Smith. And because of his hand gesture, I, I think it was about safety rotations just because of the body language Harris, uh, Mike Zimmer was using. But it seemed like he was either reminding Harrison Smith of something, reassuring him of something, or perhaps changing something in the way that they were they, that they were uh, defending stuff against Russell Wilson at halftime. Mike Zimmer said, Hey, they threw some wrinkles at us. We didn't really uh, prepare for. So we kind of had to make adjustments. And I think one of those adjustments was about how Harrison Smith rotated to kind of keep him on Bashad Breland's side um, a little bit more and to keep a little bit more uh, help over to Patrick Peterson as well. Um, but I think like from that angle, it's always fun to see that chess match, you know, NFL teams don't necessarily wait till halftime to do their adjustments. If you're getting beat on something, you gather everybody around and you say, we're going to change this right now. And by the way, drives coming up, go get out there. So a really interesting moment, one that I want to look a lot deeper into, but all in all, I think this was a, a case of the Vikings not only out executing the Seahawks, a bunch of fantastic blocks all over the tape. Tyler Conklin, Ben Ellison again with really good blocking. Um, Bradbury with some excellent blocks. Cleveland with some excellent blocks. Udo with some great blocks. All of that interior stuff was really, really good. O'Neal was still O'Neal. Still hasn't given up a pressure, at least for PFF yet. Um, all of that adds up into a game where you out-execute them, you out-coach them, and it just kind of feels for Seattle, and if you read their media, Seattle feels like it's the end of the world. And that's what a blowout is. Even though it doesn't feel much like a blowout, they were down 17-7 to at one point. It feels a little bit more like you kind of escaped something. They kicked the crap out of the Seattle Seahawks. And that's really, really encouraging as we head into another pretty tough matchup at home, but a tough matchup at home. Really encouraging after that 0-2 start to just show up and beat the bejesus out of somebody, both physically and mentally. So tomorrow's Twitter Tuesday. Uh, leave a comment on YouTube if you're on YouTube. Otherwise, you can tweet it at me at LukeBronNFL or at LockedOnVikings. You can send an email to LockedOnVikingsPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, or there's also a Google form in the show notes if you'd rather do that. I do hope you made Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. Your second listen of the day should be the Locked On Bets podcast. Q and Lee over there are doing a great job. They're batting, I think, like 62% against the spread, which is insane. So go check it out. Get your grambles straight. I will see you all tomorrow for Twitter Tuesday. And as always, skull.